What's up, cyber and crypto friends? Hope everybody had a good holiday and a new year. Today is Friday, January the 3rd of 2020, and this is episode number 98 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so the news is plentiful out there. I'm going to see if I can pick and choose some cool stuff to talk about here. On the crypto side of things, we're of course going to talk about Bitcoin and how the Iran attacks and potential war is affecting the Bitcoin price. So we'll talk about that quite a bit. We'll also talk about all of the recent Ethereum upgrades and some information on that and some of the speculation around Ethereum as well after all these upgrades. So we'll talk about that as well. Also going to talk about Poloniex, the crypto exchange. And what they uh, claim was not a breach, apparently, but they are having everyone reset their passwords anyway. So we'll talk about that and see all the details there and what happened with that. And the last thing in crypto we'll touch briefly on is Apple and what they're going to potentially do to Coinbase uh, in regards to their dApps. On the cybersecurity side of things, there's a ton of breaches to talk about. So I'll kind of try to pick and choose from those. There's so many, it's hard to hard to pick from. But And I can't help but think about privacy more than anything. With all of these hacks that are happening, all the data breaches, it just it makes me think about privacy. Uh, so, of course, we'll talk about that too and, and get further into the details on that as well. Of course, ransomware is also up there on the list. All right, so plenty to get to, not enough time to do it. Well, we'll see if we can make it happen here. So in case your head is in the sand or something, you've probably seen all the stuff with the United States and Iran and the bombings and whatnot. And, you know, we killed some high-profile guy over there. And it's just going to escalate further. The interesting side of that is that Bitcoin in Iran is now selling for $24,000 per Bitcoin on the uh, Iranian, so they have this thing called local bitcoins, which are where you can basically buy and sell bitcoins anonymously, quote unquote, and you can get them locally from somebody in your area rather than getting it from some exchange, right? So apparently in Iran, though, just right after this airstrike, bitcoin selling for $24,000 per bitcoin. That is crazy money. Just because of this one incident, and I can only imagine if the U.S. goes to war with Iran, if that would even make the price go higher. I don't know. I, I, it's crazy to even correlate the two, but we did see a small jump in the Bitcoin price today. Yesterday we dipped, I think it was yesterday, we dipped down to about 6800 Today we popped back up to about 7300 and right now we're floating around 72.83. So still a long way off from 24,000, but certainly interesting to see that huge change right after this bombing took place. So it's kind of weird. Anyway, keep your eye on those, the war threat and all that other good stuff. And, you know, maybe Bitcoin will go up eventually, especially if it's selling for that high uh, in Iran. All right, let's touch on Ethereum. In case you were not aware, as most of us were not, <laughs> there have been multiple Ethereum code upgrades 
And again, they're pre preparing for proof of stake. And as a part of that, of course, they have to upgrade all their code. And in doing so, they actually broke the consensus algorithm. What that is exactly, I really don't know, but I know that it did affect uh, mining on several different Ethereum mining pools. Uh, they call it uh, a bug in the parity block validation. Anyway, Ethereum apparently patched this bug pretty quickly and everything got back online for most of those Ethereum mining pools, but that was certainly an interesting one. I had no idea that they were even doing these updates, but apparently they did another one. So again, they're just getting ready for the proof of stake coming up here. So that'll be interesting. People are predicting that once Ethereum goes to proof of stake, that it's just going to moon. I don't know. I mean, of course, nobody really knows, but that's what a lot of the predictions are saying is, you know, it's it's basically the next one in line to take over uh, for Bitcoin. We'll see if that's actually true or not. It, it's hard to knock off the champ. I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but right now I think Bitcoin's got the market covered. All right. Do you have an account at Poloniex? Uh, if, in case you haven't heard about this already, uh, Poloniex is the crypto exchange and they announced the other day that... Uh, they're going to make everybody change their password because of a, essentially what they're calling a, a data leak. So the, the exchange itself is the one that's enforcing the password reset. So if you go out there and try to log in, it will force you to change your password. But apparently this is all tied into phishing emails of some sort. And I'm not sure how they got this data and leaked it. But I mean, one can imagine that they're they're phishing for credentials. And if they get a bunch of the credentials that they're looking for and post them on Pastebin or whatever, then there you go. So when Polonex, or I call it Polonex, Poloniex <laughs> uh, issued these password reset emails, the funny thing was the attackers started <laughs> sending uh, fake uh, password reset emails as well. So if you got that email from Poloniex, probably want to go just directly to their website rather than clicking a link uh, in the email that you get just in case so anyway i thought that one was interesting there is very few details on how it all kind of happened but i think eventually my prediction will come true that crypto exchanges are going to be the most targeted systems out there because it's just easy money for criminals once they get in all right last thing in crypto is Apple's battle with Coinbase over their dApps, decentralized apps. So Coinbase has a, a decentralized app browser, and that's where you can go and get all these various decentralized Ethereum apps that are running on top of the Ethereum blockchain, right? So that's all well and good. The problem is that Apple is unable to currently, as far as I understand it, they're unable to validate that those apps are good and not malicious and that they're safe to put on the iphone um, so there's a big battle going on between the two and apple is threatening to remove that d app browser from the app store it doesn't mean you couldn't still go and sideload that app you know some other method uh, but anyway it's interesting to see that and it you know it kind of makes sense on apple's behalf you don't know what those apps are out there and it's essentially creating a second app store that Apple has no control over. So, I mean, it makes sense overall, but uh, it'll be certainly interesting to see how that one plays out over the next few months. 
All right, let's jump over to cybersecurity because, man, there's a ton. So Waze is this budget smart home company, and we're seeing a huge wave of all these smart, quote-unquote, devices being hacked, breached, misconfigured, whatever you want to call it. Um, this one's called W-Y-Z-E. I'm assuming that's Wise or Waze. I don't really know. Uh, but anyway, they did admit to the breach a bunch of information was leaked, of course. 2.4 million users were affected, and it pretty much got all the data that they had. Email addresses, uh, list of cameras with their nicknames, Wi-Fi, SSIDs, API tokens, Alexa tokens, and more. So what's weird, too, is they say that they've had a leak of uh, various health information, like your height and weight and bone mass. I don't know how the hell... Or why the hell this company would have that, especially if it's just for cameras. But they are saying that some of that data was also leaked from their databases. And the leaks continue. The data breaches continue. It is crazy. A company called Wawa, <laughs> W-A-W-A, had a data breach. And they're claiming that malware stole payment card info. And Wawa is apparently a payment processing system. Um, and a lot of retailers use stuff like this because they're not going to, you know, process all those transactions themselves. They just want to, you know, run their business and let somebody else handle that, right? So it's, it's typically outsourced to somebody else. Um, and they're saying it's mostly used in convenience stores. So, But they're saying that the data breach potentially affected 850 different locations. And they're saying that this malware was collecting customers' payment card data for almost 10 months Wow. It's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Uh, they're saying most of the places affected were mostly on the East Coast. So that's interesting as well. But man, just leaks and breaches continue. Totally different topic. Windows 7 is going to be end of life here real soon. If you still have any Windows 7 in your environment, you better get ready because it's going to be end of life uh, very, very soon, which means no more patches. So make sure you get all those out of your networks. If you can't for some reason, segment them off as best you can, but ideally you'd replace it with Windows 10. I've even seen some reports that Windows 8 is also going to be uh, kind of swept under the rug, but we'll see if that actually happens. But Windows 7 for sure is going to be end of life here real soon, so be careful of that and get ready for it. It's coming soon. I've seen... Uh, like at Walmart, uh, when their computers are crapping out, you can see there's a Windows 7 background and all that stuff, all the embedded uh, Windows 7 systems. So, man, when that goes end of life and no more patches, that'll be crazy to see how many more systems can get owned because of the Windows 7 operating system there. All right, let's talk about some ransomware. Uh, Ryuk ransomware shut down the U.S. Coast Guard for over 30 hours uh it's ryuk ransomware i think think that's ryuk but man that is crazy amount of time to be down especially for the coast guard i i can only imagine the impact that that had on them but the, the crazy thing is this this kind of stuff just continues to get through and continues to happen like fishing is the biggest thing ever it still is Colonial x was the same way and yet for some reason, we still can't fix it. We can't filter it out. That's the part that's really weird. 
I don't know if maybe the Coast Guard didn't have any sort of filtering. I mean, who knows, right? But it's just crazy to see these continual ransomware attacks on these huge companies. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I guess that's above my pay grade. I've said it before, too. There are a lot of other ways to prevent ransomware, not just uh, with a spam filter. You can lock down the app data directory. Uh, you could even enforce software restrictions policies through group policy and with those software restriction policies you can whitelist only the applications that you want to be able to run anything else that tries to execute will not be allowed period so that's kind of nice uh, other antivirus solutions are also really good for that kind of thing uh, deep instinct is one that i think of you know silence others out there as well crowdstrike What's interesting too, total sidebar here, I'm going to get off on a tangent, but we did some some price comparisons with Deep Instinct versus CrowdStrike. And CrowdStrike was about three times as expensive as Deep Instinct was. And we paid about the same thing for, you know, Silence for several customers. So uh, Deep Instinct and Silence pricing was very, very similar, but CrowdStrikes was crazy expensive. I guess they're really, really proud of their tool, but it, I was shocked by that price. Shocked. Anyway, and of course, with all these breaches and everything happening, we still have CCPA, the California Privacy Act, and it's going to be enforced, apparently, coming in July. I'm currently doing a bunch of this. Uh, for several customers and we've been using this tool called OneTrust. and what's cool about that is it actually does a lot of the work for you so it's, it makes it really really nice uh, but you still have to go and pull the data which sucks uh, unless you can somehow automate that which we're trying to do that as well but uh, OneTrust has certainly helped us make it a little bit less painful so that's kind of nice but ccpa is getting huge and it's going to affect a lot more than people realize. All right, some other breach news here that uh, Landry's restaurants were also hit with a data breach. They uh, Some malware infected its order entry systems to steal payment card info. Sounds very familiar there, doesn't it? Seems to be just this repetitive malware that steals everybody's credit card info. I, I don't know how these you know point-of-sale systems are protected, if at all. And that's the scary part there. But there's another article uh, the other day about uh, a company that shut down because of ransomware. And they left 300 people without a job right before Christmas. Uh, it was an Arkansas-based telemarketing firm. And they basically sent them home and told them to find new jobs. Uh, apparently the IT department was unable to recover everything. And this all started for them back in October of 2019. So, man, that is, that's crazy to see they're completely shutting down the business. A letter from the CEO went out to all 300 people or so. And, man, to get that kind of letter from your CEO telling you to go get another job is just crazy. Crazy, crazy. But, anyway, they're claiming that they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and blah, blah, blah. You know, if, if you're at that point and you can't recover, what do you, I mean, do you pay the ransom? It's so hard. It's so hard to figure out what you want to do. If, if they did pay the ransom, what if they got it unlocked and, you know, eradicated the ransomware somehow and kept all those people employed? I, I don't know. It's such a, it's such a, I don't know, two-way street, double-edged sword, whatever you want to call it. It's, 
it's tough to decide on a lot of that stuff. Most of the time, you don't want to pay it. But in this company's uh, instance, I especially knowing that we that they couldn't recover their data, I I might have opted to pay for that ransom just to see see if we can actually get our data back. Other quick news: uh, Adam Sandler's Twitter account got hacked. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, they they posted a bunch of stuff that you could barely even read. Uh, they're apparently very illiterate, or you know, from a, another country, they didn't speak English very well. So not too big of a deal. I just thought it was kind of funny. And as with everything that's happening here, I, I just go back to privacy. Privacy's it's going to be so huge. It's already becoming huge, and the wave right now is just beginning. I started going to all of the people search sites and trying to remove my data. Uh, there's a very cool website called intelltechniques.com. Uh, Michael Bazell is the guy, and he has his own podcast, too, that talks about privacy and OSINT, all kinds of fun stuff like that. And I've been listening to that and following some of his advice. And just as I'm going through and looking at all these sites that have my information, I didn't even know these sites existed. And yet I searched for my name and my address and everything else, and they got all of it. Like, how is this even possible? It, it's really scary to see that. And I would just highly recommend that if you can, uh, go out there and, and remove those, opt out of anything and everything you can. And then moving forward, use an alias name for everything online, an alias email address, you know, get a Proton Mail account, whatever. Use it as an alias. Don't use your your real personal info anymore because it's just it's too risky nowadays. Go get a PO box at least and don't give them your address. You know. Anyway, that the privacy stuff just seems to be an ongoing deal. There was another uh, article about uh, the Google Nest hubs and I think there were Xiaomi wireless cameras. There was a huge privacy issue there where people were streaming. Uh, various customers homes and whatnot from those google nest hubs and so of course that's a huge privacy concern as well google blocked the integration with that camera system but man it's just one more to add to the list it's crazy out there crazy but if you can protect start protecting yourself now i know a lot of people say i have nothing to hide well yeah that's great no we really don't have anything to hide until you do one scenario that I was thinking of is, you know, what if you're a high-profile executive? I mean, that right there is, is one reason to protect your information. You're going to be a huge target. Hackers know that you have money because your name's on the website, you're the CEO or whatever. You've got the money, not other people. You are going to be the target. That's just one scenario. Another one, you know, an ex-lover going to stalk you and, and hunt you down. If all your personal info is out there, it makes them real, real easy for them to keep finding you. No matter what you do, you can move around all you want. If these sites update their records, boom, this stalker has your information again. And there you go. It's it's scary to see what all was out there. And I opted out of a, at least 20 or 30 different sites uh, over the New Year's break. And I, I was just shocked to see how many of them had any information on me that I it's like, how did they get this? It's it's really scary. And it's no wonder that identity theft is so rampant out there, this kind of stuff. It, it freaked me out to see how much of my info was out there. Also, too, if you haven't already done it, I've said it before, but go out and do a credit freeze with all of the credit bureaus. 
that is the best way to protect yourself from identity theft. You know, the companies like LifeLock and all that good stuff. The interesting part about those, they they say that you can't put a credit freeze uh, on your credit when you're using a service like LifeLock. And so that basically tells me that freezing your credit is actually better than paying for LifeLock because it apparently is going to do a better job at stopping anybody from getting an account with your name and information versus leaving it open and letting some company alert you to, hey, this already happened. And by the way, you know, XYZ person opened a credit card in your name. That's where this kind of stuff gets, it gets really scary. So anyway, I've just been a big advocate for freezing your credit, not paying for credit monitoring, as they call it. Any kind of credit monitoring requires you to leave your credit unfrozen. And that's just a huge risk. They're going to monitor it, of course, but it'll be all reactive, not proactive. You'll know after the fact, not before. And if you stop it before, you have nothing to worry about. Of course, when you're going to go buy something, it makes it a a pain in the butt. But still, for that peace of mind, knowing that your identity is, is as safe as you can get it, to me, that credit freeze is totally worth it. All right, folks, that's all I got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon.